1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. That's the answer of the Ebenezer. So anyway, uh, but uh, I, I did Google it. Praise God for, uh, for technology. Uh, but that is the answer has to do with Samuel setting up a stone um, as a remembrance of God's victory over the Philistines. And so, and he calls it Ebenezer. So anyway, that's, uh, that's where that is. Jonah chapter number four, though, is where we're going to be. Jonah chapter number four. We've been working through the book of Jonah for a couple of months now and uh, working our way through. I've enjoyed as we've made our way through and now to to chapter number four. And really, as we're working through the book of Jonah, we're really just just scratching the surface of what we could dive into in this book. Listen, we could turn the book of Jonah into a 60-some week uh, passages of of, of messages and things like that. But I won't do that to you, okay? We we won't go quite that long. In fact, we probably only have one more week after this week in the book of Jonah. Uh, But uh, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. And I hope that you've seen some things maybe in this this story in the scriptures, uh, this book that's hidden kind of right there in the middle of the Bible, uh, maybe you've seen some things that you've never seen before, maybe it has come to life in, uh, for you in a way that maybe uh, you haven't ever seen it that way. And I hope that the Lord has spoken to you, the Holy Spirit's worked in your heart as he has in mine as we've worked through the book of Jonah. Looking forward to a lot of things that are coming up. Uh, back on the back table back there, uh, whenever you make your way out, we've got some little cards. And uh, those little cards uh, are invites to our Easter service that's coming up here in just two weeks from now. And uh, I hope that everybody will pick up a few of those. On one side, it has the information for the Easter service. And on the other side, it just simply says, you are loved. And uh, has our, our, our website on there. And my thought behind it, my goal behind it is uh, anytime that you're out this week or you're doing something, maybe, uh, maybe you go through the, the drive-thru and you grab a coffee or something like that, or, or maybe you're, uh, you're at a restaurant, or maybe you're at a gas station, whatever it is, uh, maybe you could think about doing something. Maybe as you're driving through that coffee, uh, the, the line at Starbucks or wherever it is that you go to, uh, it, you could pay for the coffee for the person behind you, and you could leave one of those cards for the the person there to give to the person behind you. And so whenever they get it, they'll say, oh, your, your coffee was paid for, and here's the card that they left for, and all it says is, you are loved. And uh, what an opportunity to be able to take that and to be able to invite somebody to come to our Easter services. It's going to be a great time, and I hope that you'll take advantage of that. So pick up some of those in the back, uh, take them with you this week. I've already passed out a few of them uh, since they've gotten here this week, and I, I believe the Lord's going to bless them and use them. We also sent out a mail- mailer. How many of you uh, that are in the area actually received one of the, the mailers. Okay, all right, a few of you. Uh, we we kind of did strategic. Sometimes we do out of town, sometimes we do in town, and this one was kind of a mixture, and so uh, some of you got some of those mailers. There are some beautiful cards that we mailed out uh, that give the gospel and talk about our services and things that are going on, and so uh, uh, we're praying that the Lord will, will bless those as well. Looking forward to a great service here in just a couple of weeks, and so I hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that. We'll say more about that at the end of the service. Jonah chapter number four is where we are this morning. As we get started, let's, let's read the first three verses, and then we'll pray together and ask for the Lord's help as we dive into this. But Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says this, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. 
For it is better for me to die than to live. Here in the passage this morning, we're going to talk about Jonah and how he got to this place where he was disappointed. But it wasn't with the person. It wasn't with Nineveh. He was disappointed with God. We're going to talk about that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity you give us to be able to dive into your word. I pray now that as we look at this passage of scripture here in Jonah chapter number 4, God, you know I've asked you to, to be with me, to help me as I preach. God, I ask again that you would just touch my tongue and help me, God, only to say those things that you desire for me to say. I pray, God, for each person that's here, I, I, Lord, I, I just can sense that, Lord, there's something, there's some things, Lord, maybe going on that is just kind of, um, Lord, even already hindering your word from going forward. And I believe maybe it's because what you desire for us to have today is so important. I pray, God, that, that you would tear down those walls and, God, that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to be able to move in our midst. I pray, Lord, that, that even right now, that, that as we pray, that you would tend our hearts, that you'd soften those that are here. And, Lord, that we would all be able to hear your word clearly. And, Lord, you'd be able to speak to us, move in our midst, Lord, and that our lives would be changed for having been here this morning. Now, Lord, I thank you for the power that's in your word. I pray, Lord, that it would be magnified this morning. And I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do. And I pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, before becoming pastor here uh, at Whitehall Baptist Church, for about five years or so, Tressa and I had the privilege of traveling in evangelism. I would travel and, and I would preach in, in different places. And, and God bless, we were able to travel to, to numerous churches all across the state of Montana, uh, many churches in the Northwest. We even uh, had the opportunity to travel into some churches that were in the Midwest and, and to preach at a number of different places and preach at some camps and things like that. It was an awesome experience. And, and truly, to be honest with you, I loved it. I, I loved traveling. I loved going to, to different places. I loved going to these places and, and to preach and things like that. And, and I praise God that, that oftentimes in those meetings, we would beg God to, to send revival. We beg God to work, to do some, some great things. I can remember many meetings with pastors and, and kneeling alongside them and praying and asking God to send revival to their church. And I can remember uh, some meetings where, where we would get there and and, and, and preach the gospel. And, and listen, I know, listen, I'm not a great preacher by any stretch of the imagination, but God's word is powerful. And there were so, I can remember some meetings where God's word was preached and, and people just, they responded by the droves. I mean, some, some services where people would come to altar, some services where people would just kneel in their seats. I've, I, we, we were in services where people at the end of a service would get up and walk across the, the auditorium to someone else and, 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 and say, listen, I'm sorry, and, 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 and restore relationship that had been broken for years and I mean we got to see some some incredible things some awesome things I can remember one service in particular there was a man that was there and, and, and it, it always convicts my heart when I think about it because oftentimes we're, we, we're, we become so hard at responding and, and this man I'm telling you we, we preach I preached the the word of God and this man was sitting uh, back here and when the invitation was give, given he made his way up to the front and he knelt at the altar and he began to pray. And, and you say, well, Kai, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about it was he was in a wheelchair. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he, he wheeled himself up from, from where he was seated there on in, in that side. And, and he made his way up to the front and he pulled himself out of that wheelchair so that he could kneel at the altar and, and pray to the Lord. And, and I, I, I always reflect back on that and think, man, how, how many times have 
I not responded to God because I'm afraid of what someone's going to think about me or, or, or what it's going to look like. And here this guy, he, he wasn't worried about what anybody thought or how long it was going to take for him to crawl back up into his wheelchair or anything. He wanted to, to spend that time with the Lord. And, and listen, I can remember God at times pouring out his spirit and God doing great things and seeing people saved. It was an awesome, awesome experience. And so to be honest with you, I have a hard time with Jonah. <laughs> because listen, you come to the end of, you come to chapter number three, and Jonah, we, as we talked last week, he stands there and he preaches that little eight word message, you know, I mean, that just uh, f- phenomenal, you know, eight word message. And, and the Bible tells us that the entire city of Nineveh turns to God and repents. I mean, as many as 600,000 people uh, <laughs> repenting and getting things right with God and falling on their knees before Him. Listen, uh, to be honest with you, if you study the scripture, if, if the, the, the book of Jonah ended at verse number 10 of chapter number 3, we would write down Jonah as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament because he preached one of the shortest messages and saw the greatest response of any other preacher in the Old Testament. You can look through it, 600,000 people responding to one message. That's absolutely amazing, absolutely incredible. You talk about revival. I can't even fathom it. I can't even imagine that. I mean, it would be the half, half the state of Montana uh, responding to, to the Lord because of one message that was preached that was eight, minute mess, eight words long. I mean, how incredible is that? And so as you come to the beginning of chapter number four with me, I just, I can't identify with him. I, uh, he and I are not on the same page here. I mean, if it was me, I mean, you talk about, like, getting excited about something. I mean, I get excited when, like, one person responds. I mean, you 600,000. I mean, that would be absolutely unfathomable. And so what Jonah does in verse number one is, is just unbelievable. Look there again at verse number one. It says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. What in the world? See, if it stopped in verse number 10 of chapter number 3, we would say Jonah was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. But because we have verse number 1 of chapter number 4, we sit here shaking our heads saying, what was he thinking? What kind of prophet was he? And what we discover in chapter number 4 is a child of God who had become disappointed with God. Growing up, I, I experienced all different types of correction. Maybe, maybe you were, grew up in a similar situation that I did. And my parents always watched the service, so maybe we'll just cut this part out, Todd, okay? But anyway, uh, but, you know, I can remember growing up and, and experiencing all different types of, of, of correction. And, and uh, you know how this is. You know, there were times that, uh, that the, the, uh, the, the rod of correction was applied to the seed of knowledge, right? Okay, you know, and, uh, and that happened many times. And, and I've spoken before of uh, getting the whoopings, right, from, from mom versus the whoopings from dad and, and all these different things. And, uh, you know, it was a terrifying thing. I can remember uh, at times whenever mom would, would look at us when we were kids and she would say, you just wait until your dad gets home. And, and listen, I mean, like, we were looking out the window like, please don't ever come home, you know? And uh, you know, it, was just, it was just the way that that was. I mean, just the terror the fear of the wrath that was coming when it, because of the actions that we had committed. But I can remember just on a few occasions where I would have given anything to get a spanking, to get a whooping, to get a beaten, whatever you want to call it. I would have given anything for that in exchange for what actually I received. Because I remember a few times 
where I, I messed up, I screwed up, I did something, especially as I got into the teenage years. And I can remember my mom or my dad. They didn't say anything. They didn't actually do anything. They just, they just looked at me. And there's different looks, you know, as a parent, I've learned this. Like, you, you can give your kids looks. Like, you know, there's like some looks where it's like, if you don't stop, you are going to die right now. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, like, the, you, you know the looks that, that you can give. But that look, it was different. It was a look of, of brokenness for them. A look of, of disappointment. Man, in that moment, it's like, man, I would do anything. I mean, give me anything. Give me the beating. I, I, can't, I can't take this. I would take anything in exchange for this. You know, we've all been disappointed. We've all experienced that. In fact, you've probably heard it said before, life is full of disappointments. I mean, how encouraging, right? You know, I mean, uh, you got Joel Olstein tells you it's your best life now, and I say your life is full of disappointments, you know? And so it's, that's, that's the way that it goes, right? Uh, life is full of disappointment. We, we've all experienced disappointment in situations that didn't turn out the way that we thought, or, or, or maybe disappointment with, with a friend that, that we thought was our friend, or, or, or disappointment with a spouse, or, or maybe with a child, or, or maybe even disappointment with your parents. Parents, you know, I mean, maybe you've experienced this before. Sometimes it's because an expectation just wasn't met. You thought something and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to. Sometimes it's because in some way someone failed you. And that disappointment, it hurts. It's, it's hard to go through that. But what happened in this passage is different because that disappointment, as we mentioned, it wasn't a disappointment that, that Jonah had with the people of Nineveh. It wasn't a disappointment with, with necessarily the, the situation in, entirely. No, his disappointment was with someone. He was disappointed with God. As we look at Jonah's disappointment with God, we'll find that it wasn't because... God had failed him or let him down because God never fails. He never lets us down. And in fact, God never disappoints. No, Jonah's disappointment with God had everything to do with Jonah's perspective and expectations. He, he had a, a misplaced understanding of God's working. And could it be this morning that some have found themselves in the place where Jonah was? Disappointed with God. Today as we reflect on Jonah, we'll see exactly how Jonah got there. The message is kind of a two-part message. We could try to cram it all in today and go through the rest of the chapter, but I decided to split it up into two so it wasn't quite so long. So we're just going to look at these first three verses today. Next week, we'll look at God's response to Jonah's disappointment. But today, we're going to see exactly how Jonah got there. What, what were some of the things that led him to, to this place that gave him this incorrect perspective of being disappointed with God and how so many times in our life, while we may not say it, the truth is in our heart, we feel disappointed with God. First of all, this morning, we see that Jonah was, he was emotionally dictated. 
It was emotionally dictated. Look, look again there at verse number one. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. It's such a contrast from verse number 10 of chapter number three, verse number one. You have the mercy of God in verse number 10 of chapter number three that's met with the fury of Jonah in chapter number four, verse number one. His emotions ran hot as he looked at this nation of Assyria, a nation that had opposed Israel, that had just been the recipient of God's Mercy. And in verse number one, it, it, there's a play on words here uh, as we look at this when the Bible says that it displeased Jonah exceedingly. The, the Hebrew word for, for his displeasure exceedingly it carries the idea with it of, of trouble or misery, but it can also mean wickedness or, or evil. And you say, well, what, what's that have to do with anything? Well, it, it could be said this way it was evil to Jonah, a great evil. I mean, that was, that was the way that he felt. That was the way that he responded in this situation. And listen, it contrasts with Jonah chapter number one, verse number two. The Bible in Jonah one, verse number two, has the, uh, the same word translated a little bit different for us. It says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Here, here in, in, in Jonah chapter number 4, verse number 1, God was contrasting the evil in Jonah's heart with the evil that Nineveh had committed. The, the evil that was characteristic of the people of Nineveh here was used to describe the prophet of God. Jonah was furious. Jonah was, 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 I mean, he was, he was overwhelmed with his emotions of anger. Listen, Jonah was controlled by his emotions. Have you ever let your emotions get out of control? No? Oh, good. Okay, so, uh, listen, emotions are not bad. In fact, they're very good. It's, it's good to have an emotions. Now, I know there's some husbands in here going, listen, I wish you wouldn't have said that. You know, and, and, uh, but no, listen, emotions, they really are. God, listen, do you realize God created you with emotion? Yeah, that's, that's ordained of God. There are some, some men in here, uh, maybe, that, that, listen, that you just, you will not. It doesn't matter. You will not show emotion. I mean, it's just like, no, I, I refuse. I am like a stone with, I, I just, I do, I refuse to show any emotion whatsoever. I will not, I, I refuse to. And listen, you're, you're quenching the spirit that God has given you. God, God created us with emotions. Uh, we've said it before, but Curtis Hudson, the preacher of yesteryear, once said, you can't stand on your feelings, but sometimes it's good to feel what you're standing on. Listen, it's, it's good to have emotions. And listen, I hope that you feel something when you're with your spouse, that's a good thing to feel something. I hope that, that there are feelings uh, whenever you're with your kids. And if you have no feelings with your kids, then just wait until you have grandkids, okay? And hopefully then you'll, you'll have some emotions, you'll have some, some feelings, right? Uh, I hope, I hope that you feel something when you are worshiping your Savior, when we're, when we're singing praises to Him, when you're, when you're reading the Scriptures, whenever a message is preached, I hope that, yes, it, it convicts your heart, and, and, and yes, you, you think logically through things, but I hope that there's some emotion that's attached to it. Listen, it's not all about emotions, but it's good to show emotion every once in a while. One of, one of the reasons I believe that kids today grow up and, and leave the church 
is because they see mom and dad be so passionate and so excited whenever they get a promotion at work. Or maybe they get a big paycheck that they weren't expecting. Or, or, or maybe they're excited when they get a new car. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a, a basketball fan. I, I know we live in Montana, but maybe you watched the games last night and your team won. And, uh, and some of you are like, what games? What are you talking about? But, but listen, maybe your team won and, and, and now you're, you're, you were excited about it. And your kids see you get all excited about those things. But then you come to church and it's just stone-faced and there's no emotion at all. And it's no wonder that, that kids are, are growing up and leaving churches in the, in the droves because does mom and dad even really care? I mean, they, they never even show any emotion. They never show any excitement. They don't even uh, uh, act like they feel anything. We could use more emotion. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, we live in the Northwest, and, and, uh, and, and it's just, I mean, Baptist churches in the Northwest are not known for their emotions, okay? It's just, it's one of those things. There, there isn't a lot, okay? It would be good to have more emotion uh, sometimes in the church. Now, now, listen, I'm not saying we should get crazy, but I'm saying, hey, listen, it's good. It's good to have emotion. But... We shouldn't be controlled by them. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's not a good thing. If we are overwhelmed and controlled by our emotions, and we make all of our decisions based on our emotions, you can mark it down. That's going to lead down a bad road, a bad path. When Jonah prayed in verses 2 and 3 that we're going to look at in just a moment, I don't think that he was calm and reverent whenever he prayed to God. I think he was angry. I don't think he looked at God and, and, and said, oh, oh God, you know. I, I think he, he shook his fist at God and he was, he was furious. He was angry. He was overcome with his emotions. God had just made Jonah to go and preach this message to Nineveh, a message of Jonah, a message of jo- judgment by Jonah, only to see God not follow through on the message that he had just preached. There was no offering for repentance in Jonah's message. Don't forget. When Jonah preached and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, he didn't say, Unless you repent. That wasn't there. He didn't say it. No, Jonah's message was a message of judgment. That's what he wanted. And when God didn't do it, man, how did that make the prophet look? In fact, in the Old Testament, one of the tests of a prophet was if he prophesied of something and it didn't come to pass, he was supposed to be stoned. So you can imagine Jonah's frustration with God when he said, you told me to say this and look what you did. In Jonah's mind, God had made him look bad. And he allowed his emotions to take over. Now he's angry with God. There are a lot of people that are in churches today that have allowed their emotions to take control. Yes, there are some that need to have more emotion, but there are some that they are completely dictated by emotion. 
that's it. I mean, it's, it's just emotions constantly. Someone let them down. Someone made them look bad and wounded their pride. Something happened in their life and now they're angry and, and they're bitter. And it's controlling them and it stems from them being disappointed with God. And oftentimes it's because of the second thing that we're going to see today. Not only was he controlled by his emotions, but he had a conflicted expectation. Look what the Bible says in verse number two. And he prayed and said unto the Lord. He prayed unto the Lord and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah looks into the sky and he cries out, I knew you were going to do this. This is exactly what I told you would happen if I went there, and that's why I went to Tarshish instead. I knew that you would do exactly what I didn't want you to do. You told me to preach judgment to them, and I knew you would give them mercy instead. We, we spoke about it the first week. Jonah didn't want God to show mercy to the Assyrians. He wanted God to give them judgment. He wanted God to pour out his fury and his wrath on these people. He wanted them to be consumed and wiped off the map, just like God had done it to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what Jonah wanted. But instead of destroying them, just like Jonah had preached, God gave them mercy. It was the direct opposite of what Jonah had hoped for. It was the exact opposite of the result that Jonah wanted. It wasn't at all what Jonah expected. And isn't this where the heart of disappointment lies? Unmet expectations. You can mark it down. The only time that you are disappointed is when there is an expectation that you have that goes unmet. At least it wasn't met the way that you thought that it should be. You you thought that your spouse was going to do this, and, and they just didn't do it the way that you thought it was going to be. Maybe you hear, listen, you, you could just raise your hand and admit that you'd say, listen, I am, yes, my name is Kyle, and I am a control freak. You know, you, maybe that's you. And, and, and everything's got to be done a certain way, and it's got to be done your way. And if it's not done your way, then you look at them, and you're just disappointed because, it, yeah, they did it, but it wasn't the way that you would have done it, right? You know, not the way that you expected. Uh, maybe there was, you know, the, 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 the family all got together, and, and you have this picture in your mind of how it was all going to look, and everything was going to be just, and, and this person showed up, and this person problem and this happened and these things and they just ah oh, it just wasn't what you expected when Tress and I went down to Florida here recently on, on vacation with our kids and we were down there we had this awesome plan we, we'd got a place that was right on the beach because we were going to go out there and it was going to kind of be this quiet spot where we we're going to be able to go out every day and just enjoy the beach enjoy the sun and you know I mean get out of the cold Montana and go to to the warm Florida and all this stuff and we got there and the first day that we got there it was like a high of 65 and it rained all day 
And, and, and the only time that it stopped raining the first two days was whenever it was night. And so we, we, we grabbed our stuff and our jackets and things because it would drop down in the 50s. And we'd go out at night onto the beach with our flashlights so that the kids can enjoy building sandcastles, right? You know? And, uh, and the, finally, the last day on that Saturday that we were going to be on, there, on, on the beach there, uh, we, we went out uh, during the day. But it was a high of like 54 degrees. And so the sun's shining. And there we are out there literally in our winter jackets on the beach saying, this is so much fun. You know, and uh, you, you talk about unmet expectations. Listen, there was a lot of disappointment there. There was some, some frustration of what, what was it? We expected something. And what actually happened was exactly the opposite of what we had hoped for. Listen, if you haven't learned this yet, you are soon to learn it. And I'm saying most people understand it already. God doesn't do things the way that you expect them to be done. Things don't always work out the way that you thought that they would. And Isaiah 55, I mean, he tells us, verses 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He, he says, listen, from, from his perspective, it's a lot different than what you and I see. From our perspective, there was a better way that things could have worked out. But God sees things differently. And our job is not to question God's where his, his, his ways, his word, or to dispute them, or to get angry about them. Our job is to trust God that his ways are best. Proverbs chapter number 3 says this in verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. What's he saying there? He says, listen, you're not going to understand everything. It's not always going to make sense to you. So what does he say? In all thy ways acknowledge him, know him, trust him. And he shall direct thy paths. Jonah didn't see the big picture. He, all he could see was right, what was right in front of him. He didn't know that God, yes, gave Nineveh a, a space of mercy, a space of grace for just a few years. But within the next 150 years, God was going to completely destroy the Assyrians. God was going to bring judgment. Jonah couldn't see that God was extending grace for this period of time. All Jonah could see was God giving mercy to a people that he deemed were not worthy of God's mercy. Jonah could only see his little world where he was at. Maybe Jonah thought that if God judged Nineveh, then maybe it would wake up Israel that was running and rebellious to God. Maybe, maybe he truly wanted them to perish, Nineveh. Maybe, maybe that's really what he wanted. Whatever the reason, Jonah had an expectation of how he wanted things to turn out. And when God did things differently, Jonah was severely disappointed. And friend, understand this. You and I, we can't see the big picture either. Man, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, we, we're living life down here on the, the low level on the ground. Wouldn't it be nice just to get the blimp view every once in a while? Where I mean, you could see a little bit further down the road. Oh, now I understand why this is happening. Okay, this makes a little more sense now. Okay, I, I'm good, I'm good. But we don't get that. 
We get the in the moment right in front of us and saying, oh, this is not at all what I expected. See, I can't tell you why God didn't answer your prayers the way that you prayed. I, I can't explain to you why, why your job worked out that way or, or why your family member got that disease or why there was an unexpected death or why that relationship worked out the way that it did or, or why the situation turned out how it did. But I can tell you that God knows best and he sees the big picture. And while you often can't choose the outcome in your situation, you can choose your response in that situation. Job lost everything. You, we, we won't rehash the whole story, but in, in a matter of moments, Job went from the richest person in all the land to a man that had absolutely nothing. All, all of his family, except for his wife, perished. All all of his servants, gone. All of his livestock, all of his possessions, everything that he had was gone. Just like that in just a few moments. And here's what Jonah said in the midst of that situation. Excuse me, Job said. Job said this in, in Job 13, verse number 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I will maintain my own ways before him. Maybe you this morning are disappointed with God because there was an expectation that didn't work out the way that you thought it should. Things didn't turn out how you had hoped. This morning, you can't choose the results, but you can choose your response. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Jonah was disappointed with God. His emotions overtook him. His expectations weren't met. And finally this morning, we see that he misunderstood his possession. Look at verse number three. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah had a complex. He thought it was all about him. In fact, in verses 2 and 3, Jonah referred to me, my, and I ten times in two verses. When Jonah, what Jonah prayed in verse number 3 is an excellent prayer to pray when it's said in surrender. <laughs> Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me. I mean, like that would be a great message, a, a great prayer of surrender. But Jonah wasn't praying for surrender. This was a statement of pure selfishness. God, I did what you wanted me to do, and look what it got me. My enemy is receiving mercy. I can't go back to my nation because you used me to spare my country's enemies. What good is a prophet whose prophecies don't come to pass? Just take, and here it is, here's the key, my life from me. It was a direct contrasting prayer to what he prayed when he was in the belly of that fish. And and chapter number 2, verse number 9, don't miss this. Remember what he said? 
I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. What was he saying there when he said, I, uh, the, 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 I will pay what I would vow? What was he saying? He said, I am a prophet, and a prophet gives their life for the Lord's call, for the Lord's purpose. And he said, I will pay what I have vowed. God, here I am. My life is yours. And then we come to chapter number four. And now Jonah is disappointed and, and, and he's frustrated and he's angry. He's overcome with emotion. The expectations weren't met. And so what does he do? He turns inwardly. He says, God, just take my life. See, Jonah, he had a misunderstanding. It wasn't his life. It wasn't his life to give. It wasn't his life to say, God, take my life. It wasn't his life. You see, he, he misunderstood a verse that, well, he didn't have yet, so we'll give him a break. But 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19 tells us, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and which ye have of God? Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Jonah, you don't belong to you. You are not your own. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. I beseech ye therefore, I beg you, Paul says, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's what you're supposed to do. Jonah, don't you understand? Your life is not your own. And yet in this moment... When Jonah became so disappointed with God, there was a reason for it. It was because he had made life, his life, all about him. Me, my, I, me, my, I. He says in verses 2 and 3. And finally he says, God, just take my life from me. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now listen, that, 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 that verse was not in the Old Testament, but can I tell you, that's what a prophet was supposed to do. Their life was no longer their own. They were supposed to do and the bidding of whatever God told them to do. It wasn't theirs. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it, God says. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? Make it all about himself, but lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jonah, it's not about you. It never was. One of the fast tracks to disappointment with God is when you make it all about you. Hey, can I tell you this? One of the fast tracks to disappointment in any relationship in your life is when you make it all about you. Amen. We talked to the, thank you, somebody, finally, all right. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, we talked just a couple weeks ago about Luke chapter number 14, 15 rather, Luke chapter number 15. We talked about the prodigal 
son. And, and, and what a beautiful story it is. The story of the young man looked at his dad and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he said. Give me the portion of the inheritance that falleth to me. Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me, give me what I would have gotten if you were dead. And, and his, his father divides unto them his living. And the Bible tells us that he, he goes off and he wastes his life with riotous living. And he, he, when, it, when, it, when he gave everything, he, 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 he came to himself that, that, listen, he was in one. He's eating with the pigs. And, and he says, listen, I just, I just wish I was a servant like my, my dad's servants. They have more than what I got. And so he goes back home, and we remember the beautiful story. The father's watching afar off, and he comes, he wraps his arms around him, he kisses him, and he loves him. And the son, Dad, you know, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son, and make me, and, and listen, and the dad says, oh. Bring hither the, the fattest calf and, and, and bring hither the, the best robe and put them on him and, and, and bring him the rings and, and put it on him. And, and listen, my son that, that was dead is alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. And I mean, we all just sit there and we're like, oh, praise God. But here's the thing about Luke chapter number 15. That, that is a powerful story, but the truth is the actual application of that story when Jesus told it, was not, I know this is going to rub some people, and you're going to be like, oh, what? This is not the way I heard it in my entire life. Listen, the actual application was not about the prodigal son. Why? Because in Luke chapter, I know some of you are like, oh, what? Luke chapter number 15, verse number 11, the Bible says a certain man had two sons. If, if the Bible in, in Luke chapter number 15, ended in verse number 24, we would all say, wow, that's a wonderful story. The Bible says in verse number 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. And they began to be married. We all say, wow, praise God. I mean, what a great story. Close the book and we'll pick up our reading tomorrow. But that's not the end of it. There's a verse 25. Did you know that? Okay. In Luke chapter number 11, verse or 15, verse number 25, the Bible says, and his elder son was in the field. Whoa, whoa wait a second. It goes on. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What's going on here? He said unto him, thy brother has come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. Now listen, this is so cool. It's sad, but it's cool. It's kind of like when God sends mercy and grace to Nineveh. They didn't deserve it. And yet God gives them mercy and grace and, and forgives them. And, and you would think that Jonah would have said, oh, praise God. What a blessing. Here, this brother, I mean, you would think his brother that's been gone has finally come home. You would think that he would look and say, oh, he came back. I mean, praise God. What a blessing. I mean, what a blessing that this is. He would have rejoiced with them. In fact, as you study through it, there, there's, there's all these different things that get lost throughout the, uh, Luke chapter number 15. There's a coin that's lost and then it's found. There's a sheep that's lost and then it's found. And anytime something's found, everybody goes, woohoo! They come and rejoice with me whenever this happens. And then this, this, this young man, he's lost. And he's, when he's found, you would expect him to say, wow, come and rejoice. But that's not what happens. Listen to verse number 28. And he was angry. Wow, doesn't this sound familiar? And would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, I mean, does this not sound familiar? I think he read the book of Jonah. Listen, 
Oh, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gave me a kid. Well, not, not a child, okay? He never he gave him a, 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 a goat, okay? To, so they can make sacrifices with him and have a time with this, okay? That's what he's saying. That I make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which had devoured all his living with the harlots, thou hast killed the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, was lost and is found. And the other son was in the right place geographically. Listen. But he had allowed his heart to drift so far away from his father. Why? Because it was all about him. Jonah did what God told him to do. Did you know that you can be obedient to God and still not be right with him? Jonah was in the right place geographically where God told him to do, but his heart was not where it was supposed to be. Why? Because it was all about him. That self-centered attitude had misconstrued his perspective of God and he had become disappointed with God. Anytime it's all about you, you are sure to be disappointed. We're designed with a purpose to please and to honor God. In our, in our class over here, we've been going through Colossians. And in Colossians 1.16, the Bible says, For by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. That is the purpose for your life and my life on this earth. But just like the change from Jonah 2 to Jonah chapter number 4, you and I can crawl off of that altar and live your life so quickly for yourself. When things don't go your way, the emotions start creeping in. Do you find yourself reverting to this depressed state like Jonah? You can mark it down. If you take this path, you will find yourself in an incorrect perception and disappointed with God. And listen, friend, God never disappoints. So it's all about our perception. Friend, how are your emotions this morning? Some of you are like, well, Kyle, I was doing good when I came. Now I'm a little shaky, okay? <laughs> Do you find yourself losing control often? It comes out in all kinds of ways. For some, it's yelling. For some, you just completely close up. And many, it's somewhere in between. And if we're not careful, we get on this roller coaster of emotions. And God gave us emotions, but not to be controlled by them. We're supposed to be controlled by our spirit, not our spirit, by God's spirit, not our flesh. Do you feel like God didn't meet an expectation in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you can go back and think, listen, this, 
this thing that happened, this person, this situation, I, it's not the way I would have done it. And you're holding on to it because you feel like God failed you. When the reality is, you just can't see the big picture. God's got a purpose for it. And maybe you're here this morning and you've allowed yourself to develop this all about me mentality. You've forgotten that this life, in fact, isn't about you. It's all about him. Friend, can we see the warning signs from Jonah's life? Don't continue down the road of disappointment with God. Choose today to see this example from the life of Jonah and respond appropriately to the Lord. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to have a time of invitation this morning. And it's an opportunity for us just at the end of the service to think through what God has spoken to us about and not to respond to a preacher. You're not doing anything for me. Listen, this is an opportunity for you to take a few moments and pray in your heart to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and the, the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and you say, you know what, there's some things in my life that I got a little off track about, a little distracted, allowed myself to become disappointed with God, just like Jonah. You need to deal with them. Maybe you're here this morning and you just... You just feel like your relationship with God is non-existent because you've never accepted him as your savior. And you have sin that you've never dealt with. You've never come to the Lord and you've never said, Lord, will you forgive me for my sins? Well, listen, friend, it's not something that you do over and over again. It's a one-time thing, but you need to come to the Lord this morning and ask him to forgive you. Friend, this morning, if the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, can I encourage you, respond to the Lord. Because a life of disappointment with God is no life at all. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, we have a time of invitation. Let's stand together as the music plays. Father, bless this time now, we pray. Work as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name.